0: Hi everyone, today we are here to talk about a really difficult topic, but I think a really important one, layoffs. Millions of people have lost their jobs over the past few months. It's happening all over the world, across all industries. Even the really cool tech companies, Uber, Airbnb, TripAdvisor, all of them have made or announced major layoffs and retrenchments in the recent past. And obviously the old economy companies, Boeing, the airlines, hotels, they've been uh, in this for quite a while. It's pretty clear to me, guys, recession is already here. And it would be really foolish to think that you or I would be protected somehow, that somehow we're immune to it. But no, unfortunately, we're not. Layoffs are around the corner, even at your workplace. The real question is, are you prepared for it? Today we will cover 4 ways and in fact a 5th bonus way in which you can secure yourself financially so you can stay calm and confident that you will be able to make your way through the worst of it even in case you happen to be among those affected. It's hard to make good decisions in a state of panic and being prepared is the best we can do for ourselves and for those who depend on us. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Amit Ray. I've spent 17 years saving, investing, and generally thinking about how to secure my financial future. I'm not a wealth advisor or an expert or a guru by any means, but I've really learned, I think, a lot from my successes and actually many, many failures. And I'm really keen to share them with you. You could think of me as your money coach rather than really a formal advisor. And I'm just here to try and help you with questions or concerns or thoughts around money. Also, as you can see, this is my first ever podcast. I'm really keen on getting your comments and feedback so I can make this a much more valuable experience for you in future. Okay, so what really are we going to cover today? For many of you, perhaps for most of you, this is possibly the first uh, recession that you're actually seeing in your entire working career. The last one was in 2008. And since then, we've had what's apparently the longest ever bull market in history or at least in recorded history so you may not ever have had reason to prepare for a downturn and therefore you may not have actually implemented any defensive strategies as part of your investment thought process so for today we are actually going to cover more of that today is not going to be about growth it's going to be about protection and security so the first strategy that we are going to talk about is very very simple but very, very important. And that is emergency cash. Whatever happens, if you have a cushion of cash with you, you'll be able to tide over any situation. The real question is, how much money do you need to have as part of this emergency fund or rainy day fund or whatever you call it, in order to be able to get through a crisis where you lose your job, or for whatever reason you or someone in your family is not able to earn for some time. I would recommend the minimum amount that you need to have in this emergency fund is perhaps three months worth of expenses, more like six months. You need to plan for three to six months worth of cash kept in some form which you can easily access and withdraw. And this cash needs to pay for your everyday living expenses for that many months so this is not about vacations and fancy things and wants this is about paying for the bare necessities that's needed to keep you and your family going till such time as you're able to find your next gig or your next job and get back on your feet so what are the kinds of things this should cover so essentially it needs to cover the bills right so things like food groceries utilities your rent or if you're uh, if you own your own home then the mortgage for that school fees for your children uh, maybe the lease payments on your car and and things like that like essentially daily necessities that you cannot do without or which will make life a living hell if you aren't able to fund it so make a list figure out what each of these things cost you and set aside 3 to 6 months worth of expenses that cover all of these. For your convenience, I've actually added a link to the description for this podcast and you can click on that link and you'll find a template over there which is pre-filled with some basic things. Feel free to edit that or add your own stuff over there but it's something just to get you started. Okay, so once you've figured out how much money you actually need, make sure that you keep this money in liquid cash. So in other words, in some form that you can access very easily, which means it needs to be in a bank account where you can just withdraw it uh, from an ATM or, uh, you know, through a check or maybe in the form of a fixed deposit, which will earn slightly more interest in case you feel that's the way to go. But a fixed deposit also can be broken in times of need and you can actually access that money. So just make sure you keep the money in this kind of form where it's easily accessible, you're not looking for returns with this money, you're looking for easy accessibility. In fact, let's say you've got six months worth of savings kept in this liquid form, perhaps a month's worth is something you should actually keep at home. So keep it somewhere safe in the house where you can get to it very, very easily. And this is because typically when things go very, very bad, A lot of people rush to the bank in order to withdraw money for, you know, their daily necessities. We've seen this in almost every emergency situation, you know, even back in 2008 when people didn't trust banks anymore. There were long lines of people queuing at banks trying to get their life savings out all at the same time. And when that happens, the people in the front of the line withdraw as much as they can and the people at the back actually don't get anything. The ATMs run dry. Banks don't have funds to disburse. And that's actually a pretty terrible situation because you have money in the bank. It's just that you're not able to access it. So just for the sake of being extra safe, maybe keep like a month's worth with you at home, somewhere safe, somewhere where people won't spot it or steal it from you or frankly not even know about it. Just keep a little bit at home for, you know, like an emergency, emergency. Now, the Obvious question you're gonna have, I guess for me is that, hey, what happens if I don't actually have six months worth of money? Not everybody has those kinds of savings, and definitely not in the form that people can easily access. So in that case, my I would say very simplistic advice is that you need to find a way to fund that emergency money. So what you could do is number one start saving as much as you can right now so do a bit more in order to save the money so you can put it into that emergency fund as soon as you can. But what you could also do is, you know, perhaps you've lent money to a friend or something like that, maybe nicely ask them to return it to you now so that you can put it towards this this emergency fund. Otherwise, you can look for things in your house, uh, which you aren't really using anymore, and maybe just sell them on eBay or Craigslist or carousel Shopee if if you're in uh Southeast Asia whatever is uh, you know the appropriate channel. So essentially just dispose of useless things and take that money and put it towards this emergency fund where it will be much more useful to you than that set of golf clubs that you've never used for the last 5 years. It's it's actually going to be much more useful to you in this cash form than it is going to be sitting at the back of your closet. Yeah, so these are some of the ways I can think of for funding your emergency stash don't treat this as an optional extra this really is the first thing you need to do to be prepared for a layoff more than anything else the peace of mind that you'll get from having a pot of money that you can easily access is immeasurable and take it from a person who has been through dot-com bust the 2008 crisis and is now seeing the third one yeah so that's what i could think of I wonder if I've missed something perhaps out here, perhaps there are other creative ideas that some of you have to be able to fund this uh, emergency stash, or maybe you already have one in which case, I'd love to hear how you went about doing it, or why you even thought about having such an emergency fund. Yeah, and maybe, you know, if you stick around till the end of this podcast, we'll also talk about that bonus strategy that I mentioned, maybe that could help you with this emergency fund as well. So... The second thing that you need to have, super important also, especially when you lose your job, is health insurance. For most of us, myself included, we are extremely reliant on the insurance that is provided by our employer because typically that insurance is, I would say, generally good uh, and oftentimes better than what we could afford if we had to pay for insurance like that. And that's great. And in normal times, I would say, you know what, it's probably a good idea to count on your employer insurance. But we are not in normal times. These are extraordinary times. And so therefore, what I would say is the second most important thing that you can do to protect yourself and more importantly, protect your family or your dependents is uh, getting your own health insurance. Why do I say that? Because as you can imagine, and I'm sure you're probably pretty aware, healthcare costs in many parts of the world can be potentially bankrupting. If you have some sort of a critical illness, you have an accident or something like that, and you have to go to ICU, the bills for that kind of treatment and for that kind of hospitalization can add up to a lot. It can very, very easily just wipe out your savings in uh, literally days. So therefore, health insurance is super important. In fact, um, I also think that in this environment you do want to have the ability to just get up and go to a, a medical professional if you need to. And so therefore, having health insurance it gives you peace of mind for that as well. The other cool thing is that if you are among those people f- who have never seen a recession before, you're pretty young, which means you're also probably pretty healthy or at least healthier than you would be if you were in your 40s or 50s or 70s. And so therefore, If you haven't taken health insurance, it is a good idea for you to consider doing it now because at this age, when you're younger and healthier and probably don't have any major chronic illnesses or pre-existing conditions, you'll get a fairly decent price for your health insurance and the insurance will cover you for a bunch of illnesses that you won't have today but you might get as you grow older. And that's usually the problem for taking insurance when you're older, right? Because you have so many pre-existing conditions that won't be covered that you actually could have covered if you took your insurance now. So if nothing else, just for that reason, do consider very seriously taking health insurance. The other thing I would say is that if you are doing it, just make sure you read through the terms properly. Insurance is notorious for feeling like you have a safety net. But when the time comes, you actually don't get what you need or uh, you aren't actually covered for things that you thought you're covered for. So please make sure that uh, what you're getting covers critical illnesses, covers hospitalization, covers disability and really anything else, which is not just some minor thing which you will be able to handle out of pocket, but something more like things that will genuinely rob you of your life savings or really degrade the quality of life because of the expenses on on healthcare. So the third thing we'll discuss is something I bet you haven't thought about. Even if you were smart enough to have an emergency fund and figured out that you should have your own health insurance, I'm sure you didn't think about this and that is home insurance. Sometimes it's called householder's insurance. Home insurance is the kind of thing you take to guard against calamities like fire or earthquakes or Hurricanes, floods, generally catastrophic events, uh, mostly weather-related, I guess. However, home insurance also protects against thefts and robberies. Now, I feel kind of weird saying this. But if you think about it, in a world where more and more people are losing their livelihood and are you know, having to resort to potentially desperate measures to make ends meet, you may actually see an increase in crime in your country, in your region, in your neighborhood even. And home insurance actually helps ensure that in case you happen to be on the receiving end of something bad, you don't really need to fight it. You can just let events unfold as they will because you can be confident that you will be able to recover the cost of whatever has been taken from you. And that's why I think in today's environment, Home insurance is a very, very smart and very underrated defense mechanism. So what does home insurance do? Typically, you would pay a premium to be insured for like a package of of goods. So many home insurance plans just cover a certain basic set of things that people normally tend to have and they charge you a premium for it. But in most plans, you can actually add some more money to cover other things that are important to you. So for example, you might have jewelry or maybe some artwork or perhaps even sentimental things which may not be worth that much in, in money but are worth a lot to you personally and uh, maybe you want to ascribe some sort of a monetary value to that. So you can actually itemize these kinds of things and pay a bit extra to cover you know, those kinds of items as well. In addition... Home insurance actually even covers things like emergency accommodation. So for example, let's say there happens to be a catastrophic event like a fire or maybe a riot and your place is not really livable for some time. Home insurance will actually pay for your alternate accommodation while your place is getting fixed up or repaired or essentially being habitable again. So, so that's pretty cool. Saves you the... Cost of uh, paying for hotel accommodation. Um, Although, frankly speaking, I think hotel accommodation may be pretty cheap nowadays. But anyway, under normal circumstances, you may be happy to get uh, that assistance. In addition, most home insurance also covers you for liability. So, for example, somebody comes to your house, trips over something, falls and breaks their arm and decides to sue you. Then home insurance may actually cover that kind of uh, situation. In some cases, or maybe if you pay extra, depending on the plan, it will also cover for loss of documents. And that's actually one of those things that we tend to overlook. So we usually think of valuables as cash, jewelry, appliances, you know, laptop, that kind of stuff. But actually, in any catastrophic situation, documents are almost certainly going to be destroyed. If there's a flood or a fire or an earthquake, your documents are either going to be gone or definitely not going to be in a condition which you'll be able to make use of them in future. And given that many of these things are one of a kind and you're going to have to go to a lot of trouble to replace them, it is good that this kind of insurance will give you some kind of monetary compensation for that. I would say though as a side note though, That monetary compensation is all well and good, but you still don't have the document and you obviously need some of these things for important matters to prove your identity, things like that. So, as a a side note, what I would say is please, if you haven't already, digitize all your documents. So, just take scans of them, at least if nothing else, a photograph of your document and save them on the cloud somewhere so that in case if something goes wrong or even if you just lose a document, you at least have a copy to refer to and you can use that to try and get back the original from the issuing authority. But anyway, that's a, that's a side note. So back to home insurance covers you for many, many things. It covers you for the stuff in your house, for specific valuables, for emergency accommodation, for liability in case uh, somebody trips and falls and breaks their head in your house, uh, things like that. Last but not least... In many cases, and if it is not covered already, then you should probably try to get it. Home insurance will cover theft that happens even outside the house. So for example, you've insured your wedding ring and uh, let's say you were walking around outside and somebody mugged you and took away that wedding ring. Even though it happened outside the house, your home insurance may actually cover for that as well. And that is super important. And, you know, we started this whole section by talking about how... In today's world, maybe there are more people are out there uh, looking for ways to kind of uh, within quotes supplement their income. Uh, so therefore, uh, in this kind of an environment, it may be a good idea for you to have the peace of mind that even if something stolen from you outside the house, it will be covered. Do check the fine print as is always the case with insurance to make sure you're getting what you think you're paying for. In some cases and i personally find this a bit weird but uh, sometimes home insurance will not cover acts of god times it's uh, it's called force majeure in legal documents which is a bit weird given that that's exactly the kind of stuff you're trying to guard against so do look out for those kinds of situations and either pay more or at least uh, you know walk into your deal with the insurer with your eyes uh, open So I hope this part was kind of eye opening or interesting. I am very curious to know whether you already have your own health or home insurance. If you have, congratulations to you. I think you're well ahead of uh, much of the population. So what's the kind of insurance that you have? Why did you take it? And uh, what do you think of your provider? Alright, so what's the fourth defense mechanism you have to protect yourself against uh, a possible job loss? And this one I kind of hesitate to say because of all the possible downsides of this particular tool. So the fourth one is an emergency credit card. If you're the kind of person who has four credit cards and is really not able to control your spending, please don't do this. Just forget I said that you need another credit card. Ignore me completely. Skip forward a few minutes to the next item in this podcast. But... If you are generally disciplined, if you have very few credit cards, and maybe if you don't have substantial line of credit on any of them, which means you can't draw on a reasonable amount of money in case of emergency, you may want to consider having another credit card only for use in case of emergencies. So this is the use this to break the glass and exit the burning building, that kind of emergency. Hide it somewhere. Not so well that you can't find it when you need it. But basically somewhere where you're not going to be tempted to spend on it. So that worst case, money runs out. There's a run on the bank or just the most unexpected thing happens. You have this as your backup, backup, backup plan. Did you think that you there could be so many strategies to protect yourself against layoffs? I actually didn't either until I actually started preparing for this podcast. And I must say it's been actually eye opening for me as well. I'm here to not just communicate stuff that I know, but also to learn things and share them with you. And so therefore, I found the preparation for this podcast actually very interesting. And so here's the fifth idea that I that I was able to put together. And that is preparing for job hunting. Now, you're going to tell me that you know, that's like a pretty obvious thing and not exactly a defense mechanism. But hear me out. What I mean by preparing for job hunting is preparing before you need to find a job. So rather than starting to type out the first line of your resume the day after you've got laid off, it's better that you prepare for such an eventuality and do all of that now. So number one, doing it early means you have the time to do all of this properly versus having to bang out something and send it to 50 companies uh, you know, without any kind of thought or consideration and getting rejected from all of them because you were so ill-prepared. Instead, with time in, in hand, update your resume, make it look good, make it uh, interesting to read, make sure you grab attention, do all of that kind of stuff because you can do it in, with you know a cool frame of mind right now. So that's the first thing about getting ready for your job hunt. Second is, make a list of companies that are hiring And make a list of desirable jobs in those companies. So now that you have the time and you know some level of motivation I guess to genuinely prepare for a job hunt, why not look for a job that you will really enjoy versus having to do all of this in a state of panic and then just taking the first job that you get. Be a bit more deliberate, make a nice resume, approach the right companies for the right roles, things that you are really excited to do. And maybe your passion and commitment and all of that will show through. And you might actually find that you take this problem and turn it into an opportunity for yourself. Essentially make uh, lemonade with lemons. Find the kind of places that you really want to work at. And maybe depending on your situation or really how worried you are, uh, start the interview process. No harm done, right? I mean, nobody ever got into trouble because they interviewed with a bunch of places and had uh, an offer or two under their belt and then decided to you know stick with their current company or to or really took a an informed call so why not do all the work through the process and see what happens and uh, for all you know could actually become the start of something new and exciting something that you're uh, genuinely going to enjoy uh, doing in future so we are almost at the end of today's session I really hope you found today's discussion useful. But I also mentioned that if you stuck around till the end, there might be a little bit of a bonus section. So what I thought we could end this podcast with is maybe a little bit of a discussion around side hustles. It's something that I know more and more people are either doing or are interested in doing. And there are a zillion ways uh, for for you to actually do something on the side, which earns you a little bit of spare cash. Again, under normal circumstances, that would be a different kind of discussion. But for the environment that we are in today, especially if you are in the need of quick money in order to fund this defense mechanism, I think side hustles are probably the most practical way for you to get a bit of extra money quickly. And so therefore, a few things that I thought I'd just point out, one is gigs with The gig economy, you're giving your time. So you're selling your time for money. Depending on your perspective, gig economy is the worst thing to happen to mankind or maybe a great way for you to earn money flexibly on the side. And for the purpose of today's conversation, we should look at it as a flexible way to earn some money. So, you know, maybe drive for Uber, deliver some food, let out a room in your apartment for Airbnb, Although, frankly speaking, I don't know if that is going to work very well with COVID and everything. But hey, you know, you can always try. So, take up one of these app-based side jobs. Read up a little bit on what are the strategies that you can use to be at least moderately successful at it. And give it a shot, right? I mean, a few extra bucks will probably help. So, that's one kind of side hustle. Another kind of side hustle is where you sell your skills for money. So, uh, And by that, I mean essentially freelancing. So freelancing platforms like uh, Upwork are actually a really good way to earn with your skills. And particularly now, as companies are laying off people, it may actually work to your advantage because as companies let go of their formal workforce, they still have to get work done, right? So in many cases, they turn to contractors or freelancers to fill the gap. And uh, that's where... Sites like Upwork might actually help because you can list your skills over there, especially if you're pretty good at something, maybe something that you already do for your work or something that you're very passionate about or maybe it's your hobby. So just list that on Upwork, see what comes in and you know uh, decide whether to do it weekends or, or in the evenings. And that might actually make you some fairly welcome money. And who knows, maybe you actually turn out to have a knack for delivering quality product and for earning money on these kinds of freelance platforms. And maybe that will actually turn into not just a side hustle, but maybe a substantial stream of income or maybe your actual hustle. And last of all is channels where you sell goods or you sell things that you know how to make. Channels like Etsy allow you to sell your creative work. Maybe you're great with handicrafts or with painting or things like that and you can sell your work on Etsy, or perhaps you could just do the traditional e-commerce kind of stuff. Buy items at wholesale, something that is particularly attractive in the environment we are in right now, and sell them for retail on any kind of e-commerce platform. Depending on where you are, it could be Amazon or Flipkart or Lazada or Tokopedia or Shopee or Carousel or any of these various platforms which uh, have sprung up to actually help small sellers such as yourself. So those are some of the side hustles I could think of. I'm sure you know many others probably more than I do. So if you have some ideas, do feel free to share them with me and perhaps for a future episode, we can talk a bit more about side hustles, maybe a a lot more in depth. I'd love to take some of your ideas and thoughts and uh, discuss them with everyone else. Before we close... I'd like to ask you for two things. One of them is for you and one of them is for me. So for you, even if you do nothing else after this podcast, please, please make a list of your living essentials and how much they cost and add it up and figure out how much money you need to fund those for three to six months. And then please look for ways to make that happen, to create that emergency fund and keep it somewhere where you can access it easily. Trust me, this is going to be super important. It may not seem like anything useful now, but if the worst happens, it will be the one thing that will give you the most peace of mind and that's probably going to almost save your life uh, if if things get really bad. So please, please just make that list and fund it. That's the one thing that I would like you to do for you. And as for myself, I'd really love it if you could share your feedback or your comments on what would make this channel more useful or more valuable or more relevant for you. And if you can, of course, please do share this channel with your friends or with anybody you think might be interested in learning more about how to save, how to grow, and maybe even how to make more money. I'd love to talk to them about it. That's it for today. Thank you very much.